You're listening to Kraken Fancast. The podcast for Seattle Kraken fans. By Seattle Kraken fans. Hey everyone and welcome to another edition of Kraken Fancast. I'm your host Chris Porter. I'm here with my colleague Jim Cockrell today for some Seattle Kraken hockey talk as always. But before that, we uh, want to give big thanks to our sponsor, the Angry Beaver, Seattle's number one hockey theme bar located in the Greenwood neighborhood of Seattle. If you're not going to the Kraken game, catch the game at the Angry Beaver. The Angry Beaver is hoping to reopen soon after their uh, damaged building issues. Uh, I was in touch with Tim Pipes, the owner, the other day, and I know they're working hard to get that reopened. So stay tuned. Hopefully we can get back in there in a few weeks, we uh, do appreciate the Angry Beavers' patronage to our fan cast here. So anyway, we always want to give them a nice plug, and uh, we they appreciate everybody's support. All right, and we appreciate your support. Thanks for tuning in, as always, folks. Uh, since our previous episode, we've seen two games. Uh, we're recording this just shortly before the Kraken's home game against Vancouver, so we'll talk about that one in the next recording, among some other games. But uh, as, as most of you will remember... The team grinded out a really tough game against the New York Islanders, winning that one in the shootout on February 13th. So, and that was a relief because they were not looking good prior to that. I think it's safe to say the team took that momentum of that badly needed win that they got. They took that momentum over to Boston a couple of days later as uh, they took on a very tough Bruins team on February 15th. And the Boston boys played brilliantly, brilliantly. Oh, but wait. I'm not talking about the boys in the Bruins uniforms. I'm talking about the two Boston boys the Kraken have on their roster, Matty Beneers and goalie Joey Decord. Matty's scoring has been a lot quieter this year than we've expected, and we've talked about it many times, but uh, he must have felt, I don't know, extra comfortable being back home in the arena. Maybe his family and friends were there. I'm sure, you know, he watched a lot of games at TD Garden, so he had maybe sort of an extra comfort zone moment. Uh, it sure showed in his game. He scored his eighth goal that night in addition to having two assists. And Joey, man, Joey Decord just continues to stand on his head, and he really did so in that game, helping the Kraken win a magnificent game for that team. He was stopping 36 of 37 shots. Uh, Eberle, Tolvanen, and McCann each got goals to bring the Seattle Kraken a victory against one of the best Eastern Conference teams, the Boston Bruins, by a score of four to one. So, Jim, uh, we've made it no secret in the years we've been doing this podcast uh, that we truly have great love for the Bruins. But uh, I will say, if uh, the bees had to lose a game, had they lose a game four to one, at least it happened to some guys we love. That was uh, that was quite a lopsided game we weren't expecting. No, I you know I was just looking up overall record between the two you know and it's a 2-2-1 record with some close games and then you know like this last game 4-1 and then there was a 3-0 shutout last year in Boston which was the one that stopped the Bruins big winning streak all time so obviously when they both go head to head it's it's a great game and it's fantastic for you and I obviously too because we love both teams but at the same time I mean, you know, Boston totally outplayed him. It was a, it was Joey stole that game. And, you know, ever since Joey's hot run, uh, whether win or loss, his, his, his save percentage is up. Everything's looking good. He's had minimal, maybe one or two games that were just meh, but the rest have been solid. And he stole that game. 
Um, and you're right about Maddie home homecoming. Uh, and, and it was a Boston boys thing. Uh, what, what is just a great game, man. Boston, there was the presser after jo Joey was almost in tears at the press. Yeah. Kind of reminded really me meant a lot uh, to him. Well, and it kind of reminded me the same way it was, uh, pre-game and post-game around Winter Classic with his dad in town on the uh, interview process, too. And, you know, these are huge emotional games that he's stepping into the for the first time in his career, obviously, in the NHL. And, man, that was just a, a great game. I'm looking at it here, and even though, you know, Boston outshot us 37-26, it was a green card game for just all-around play. You know, Toby's... Uh, Game was good. Carlo, how about, you know, when Carlo fell on that and it turned into a two-on-one, that was a turning point for the game, right? Yep. Um, because, you know, that was just a, a un, unforced mistake that happened and they capitalized and totally had that beautiful blast and back and forth between him and Gord on that play was gorgeous. Um, and, like, you know, I got done, Joey lights out and uh, his, his, I can't remember where I was reading about his uh, saves above expected was like three points something. And I'm like, no, no. He, yeah. I was watching that game and it just felt like there was way more than that. Like at least five above expected uh, goal yeah, saves. Well, I mean, the, the, the goal, the shots on goal 37 to 26 in favor of the bees. Yeah. Um, and, and they it, were all the like game. Quality. It looked like, Oh, here's the, here's the Bruins winning. I mean, pasta just scored a relatively early goal on that. And I mean, the, the, the Bruins were yeah. throwing some offense that just couldn't get it by Joey. It was crazy. And everything was high danger, both ends. It very mm. similar in the Detroit game as well. It was just like some really good action. Uh, and, you know, everybody was shocked about that one. And then Kraken walk away with two points. And here we go. We know every time the Kraken play the Bruins, it's going to be a good hockey game. They all are. I mean, you know, the, the games we've seen in, in, and we're going to see one in Seattle in just a few days. Looking Yay. forward to that, of course. Um I, I know uh, Jake DeBrusque was a great Kraken killer in uh, last year. First two games, you know, uh, exactly. But, uh, well, even the first one went in overtime, I think he yeah. got the game, and then he got the winner shortly before the third period ended last year. So what will yeah. happen this year, I, I don't know. But they, they they are good. They are always interesting games. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, that, that was that was that was something. And obviously another another game, the Kraken in this this tight race, which we'll talk about. I mean, it continues to be tight. One team arguably kind of fallen off. I'm I'm kind of not worried anymore about Arizona. So maybe it's you know six playing for the two slots rather than seven. But um, you know they they you know the Kraken is still playing a lot of catch up. So Seattle, this was this was a, a really big game uh, for for sure. And uh, nice you know way to end the road trip. Uh, obviously they make their way they they leave Boston, make their way back to Seattle. And uh, take on the Detroit Red Wings for an afternoon President's Day game, and this one just sort of alluded to it. I mean, it was high danger things, you know, the situations that it was it was quite a back and forth affair, you know, throughout the most of the game. So that didn't surprise me when it ended up being an overtime game. Uh, unfortunately, the Red Wings scored a relatively quick goal in that uh, overtime period. Uh, Jared McCann with two goals on that one. He's up to twenty four goals so far this season. He is still on fire. Love seeing that. Jaden Schwartz also uh, got a goal in that one, his 11th. But it was not enough because uh, the Wings uh, won in overtime by the score of 4-3. to three. Uh, Ben uh, Sherratt getting that winner pretty pretty quickly in that 
overtime game. So uh, that one's back and forth. I mean, maybe Joey wasn't as sharp as in the Boston game, but I didn't think there were any like bad goals in that. But it's, uh, uh, I just, you know, it's kind of, that was a good, I mean, that Detroit team is not, you know, the Red Wings teams of recent years. They're another bubble team on the, on the Eastern Conference side. So, you know, I kind of feeling was going to be a good game. Yeah. I heading into that one um, when I posted up on our uh, X account about the game, I, you know, I said, don't count these guys out this team, you know, they've been in the rebuilding process now for a while, but they are building properly and they're timing it out and their drafting is great and they're young and they've got depth for four young lines for the most part. They're going to be something for a while. And, I, they're kind of a scary team right now. I've got them making the playoffs. So, you know, no matter what, it's going to be every, every time I see them play, it, it's a great hockey game for the most part. And, you know, the, the PP is back on a little bit. We're getting one a game here, which was something that was drying up there a little bit. So that's okay. Um, the McCann 23 and 24 goals. The first one was, you know, that slapper in his spot, but on the right side, normally he doesn't have enough time to wind up. He did, which was kind of nice. And he's just lights out. Um, that was a power play. And then the second one was that dirty work on the paint that he got it through the five hole, which was nice. And like you said, Schwartz had been quiet for a while and he finally got back on, which is nice because we need him going for sure. Um, couple blunders in this game Bjorkson made a horrible change right after uh, transition and as soon as he got off it turned into a two on two on one the other way and that's when our old boy Sprong got that beautiful wrister yeah uh, wouldn't you know a little revenge goal but yeah that was a total blunder and you know that's one they thing did about give these- him, they did give him some props though again the Chris, Seattle at least the, you know, the team or the organization is very nice about welcoming former well yeah players that that was a shorty one though compared to Donato's for sure. Oh, for sure. But um it was nice, you know, it was interesting to see. But yeah, he got a little revenge goal. You're right. Yeah. Um, you know, we the last two games, so uh we've been having some big time defensive blunders uh in pairings going out. Even our number one and two, Dunn and Larson have Dunn's really having some rough games and he knows it. Um so that needs to clean up. Guys that had good games, Schwartz again, McCann, obviously. And you know what? Burakoski, well, I'm going to talk about him in a little bit. He may not be getting points on the board, but his game and confidence is totally building. I'll talk in a little bit about that. And you know what? Borgen was the best D-man at a plus two, two points. That guy's just doing it for 3-4-D. Um, he's still stepping up right now. And, and of course, this game, Joey, he played good. Uh, but unfortunately, Lion played a lot better. So, you know, Joey played well, though. That was his first game under 900 save percentage in a while, and we were still in it till the end. And, you know, let's talk about game features, too, because I know you were there, Chris. I was there, but we didn't have our normal game ticket. We had to go out and purchase on our own, which is fine. And I did that because it was Guile Fielder dedication. Yes, night. I want to make sure we talk about Guile. Yes, <clears throat> talk about right. that. So I grew up to him as a kid, you know, my dad, a right, so fielder for a uh, former Seattle totem. Yes. And uh, a legend in Seattle hockey and third or fourth all time, still in professional point production. Mm-hmm. Professional is the key word there. Cause he played, he played a played long the old time and had a few cups of coffee in the NHL with yep. uh, Detroit Red Wings. In fact, correct. 
Why he never made it, we'll never know. But he's from Potlatch, Idaho, of all things. A lot of people don't know that. Um, he's 93, and he lives down in the desert. And you know what? He looks really good for 93, doesn't he? He moved I mean, around there when Ron Francis, you know, in the, the, the first period break, and they put him up on the screen, and here's his, you know, uniform. He stood right up. And I, I could see him from where I was sitting. I sat, yeah, I sat on one of the ends there, and... So I mean, kept looking at that jersey yeah. and putting it on and talking around with other people and all. And uh, yeah. Yeah, he he did all right. He looked good. Good. To yeah. See. So so it meant a lot to me because when I was a kid, you know, my dad had season tickets to the totems underneath that same roof, roof only and supports. And I always think about that often. I always think I sat up right about the blue line. Me and my dad did a lot, which would have been the lower bowl as well. And. You know, I saw him for a short stint because he was gone and traded to uh, to Salt Lake after a while. But I still saw him coming to town with Salt Lake as well. But I can remember going to Totem's uh, functions that were put on for the kids in amateur hockey and, and showing up and seeing the guy. And, you know, I heard, our dad would tell me what he was and what, a, you know, how big a statement he was in legend in the game. So it was cool. I had to pay my respects to him. And it made for a nice vibe. Also... You know, it had been a long time since we had seen a game. We the, the team was on the road, then the All-Star break, then they were on the road again, and they came home. So everybody, there was a lot of people there, and it was a heavy Detroit draw, as usual. And so it had a very... A lot. There was a lot of cheering when there was a Detroit goal. Yeah. I, I was, you know, looking around me, a little surprised at that. It wow. was very electric in the building all night. And, you know, you've heard me say a hundred times, I hate leaving that building on a loss. But it was just okay walking away with a point. I didn't feel as bad. I'm really glad I went to the game because it was an ex an excellent game, actually. Yeah, it, well, no, it was an excellent game. So Guile saw a great. He didn't yeah. see Seattle win, but he I, he was. I mean, I saw some of the interviews that he did, or one of the interviews he did, and he was he was thrilled to be there. It was amazing to see. He didn't know he'd ever get to you know see see an NHL game. He hadn't actually seen an NHL game himself probably since he last played in the. Yeah, yeah, whatever that was, early '60s, late '50s, whenever that was. Let's, let's just just I don't want to assume everybody who listens knows here a little bit. Let's, let's just jump back to Giles' life, or we're talking about the Seattle Totems. They were in the Western Hockey League. That is no relation to what you, you folks hear about the Western Hockey League that the Seattle Thunderbirds are in. That that is a junior league that took that name, but there had been another league by that name, Western Hockey League that was a technically a minor league uh but that was you know it was also back when there were a lot lot less teams in the NHL so you still had six like with the AHL you had some very high level players so i mean would it be fair to say the western hockey league and that's that's going from like the 50s to what about the mid 70s you know 73 it, it stopped okay and then there was a the central hockey league i remember that was around and totem the AHL was still around too the AHL was, yeah, and there was the IHL, the International yep. Hockey League. So is it fair to say those were all sort of AAA level, like you'd have AAA level in baseball? Was it sort of similar? Yeah, it's fair to say, and I will say this after reading many books and talking to guys that played in the league, um, between it and the IHL, it would they would go back and forth in, in talent pools almost. They were very, very even, but... Overall, I would say the WHL was it was tied to more NHL teams as a farm system. For instance, the Totems used to work a lot with um, the Flyers and the Canucks later after the Canucks went in 1970. The Canucks came out of the old WHL. By the way, when I say WHL, 
we're just going to call it Western Professional Hockey League because that's what it was. Um, many teams rolled through there. Uh, the Denver Spurs, Salt Lake City, Golden Eagles, Portland Buckaroos, Vancouver Canucks, Seattle Totem, San Diego Gulls. Then you can go before that a little bit down into um, uh, the California teams that play there, like the, the San Francisco Seals and the Blades. And the, yeah, you know, all of that stuff. Los Angeles had a team. Los Angeles Blades and stuff. You know, Blade, Bobby yeah. Schmott's then, played down there. And let's just talk a little second about San, San Diego Gulls had a very famous Boston Bruin for a while. Well, Willie O'Ree. Willie O'Ree. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and I saw Gulp for longer than he was a Bruin, I think. Absolutely. And I saw him play many games. And I just remember my dad always saying, like, he would always key in on him and say, he said, look at that guy's stride, man. It's so natural. It's so long. And he did. He had a great stride, a beautiful uh, skating stride. Number 20. So San Diego Gulls. I remember it often. So. Yeah, there was some great players. One of my favorite players of all time, Bobby Schmutz. Oh, you know, yeah. He played about 68 games with the Totems, and then he went up to Vancouver. Of course, he became a Bruin. Then he got sold back and forth. Um, uh, so many great guys. And a lot of the guys in the Slapshot movie came out of the WHL. Um, it was just a really cool league for somebody of my age to watch all this stuff and look up. And I, I always tell people, like, uh, it, it took me till I was probably about seven or eight years old to understand the difference between the WHL and the NHL, uh, you know, to put that whole package together, like, oh, there's another league above this. It's actually better than this, you know? And uh, anyway, I just loved it and appreciate that my dad took me in all those games because it was just, it was unbelievable. That's great. Great stories. Uh, yeah. And there's some good books out there about the Seattle totems and, and Western hockey league, uh, and some great websites. So if you want to really go down the rabbit hole folks and learn more about earlier days of Seattle hockey, uh, that a lot of people, the average person does not realize. I think the first hockey is, you know, the Thunderbirds and, uh, and the Kraken. No, it's, it goes way deeper than that. Way so, it's a very rich history, and Guile Fielder was right smack in the middle of it. So that was a big reason why I went to that game last minute. I wasn't initially expecting, and I kind of want. I felt it was a little bit of history there. That's that's how I was feeling. I wanted to be definitely for, it, for sure. Um, one other thing I want to jump back on to, just as an FYI, I know you want to go maybe go into some more stats, or or, or you know we want to also talk a little about trade deadline stuff. And but I was I wanted to go over the the goals uh, against average and save percentage. Uh, for both stats, Joey is uh, solidly in uh, number four there uh, behind Aiden Hill, Connor Hellebuck, and Jonathan Quick. So nice to see his name. Jeremy Swayman kind of up there too, but uh, fifth with uh, Bobrovsky, but uh, that's for, for the GAA. And then uh, Hill, Hellebuck, Swayman, Decord, and Demko tops on the uh, save percentage. So really sweet and not surprising considering how he's been playing that Joey's uh, one of the top goalies in the league right now. Yeah. Uh, which brings me to, and we all know that, right? Um, if there was to be an MVP selection right now, it would be him, hands down. You know, and then maybe McCann right after that. But so as you look at some players, um, I think I have five listed here. You know, kind of hot and cold buttons here. Matty, he seems like he's coming around now. Uh, his his play, he's getting more minutes. He's getting more shifts. He's producing a little more. Nothing heavy duty. He's got four points in the last three games. But you can see it, right? He's 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 handling the puck better. His head's up. He's seeing the game better. Um, now, prior to this, uh, four points in three games, he was really cold with one goal in the last 12. 
So that just tells you what's what's going on there. And, you know, even the media people are starting to see it too. So, and then Joey, we, we can go, we can just beat Joey up all day long on the greatness. Um, he totally stole that game in Boston. It was him, you know. Uh, he's two, three, and one, unfortunately, in, in all this great play, right? He's only had one game under 900. He had an 875 in that last overtime loss against Detroit. Um, even in his lo three losses in a row there, he was a 919, a 921, and a 952. I mean, he's doing everything. You know, maybe we're not getting the run support here and there, although it's starting to step up a little bit. That we're just... It's crazy, man. He's playing lights out. Lights out. Didn't have him. Their record would look a lot like the first seasons at this point. Yeah, him and can you imagine taking him and McCann out of the equation? What what would it be oh, going on? Miserable. Oh God, it'd be oh, down God. by Anaheim. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> totally. Yeah. Anyway, um, Burakovsky. Let's talk about him a little bit. Yeah, looking he a little only, better. He only has one assist in his last three, but I will tell you this: these last three games, hands down, are by far his best games. He, too, is logging more shifts, more minutes. He looks good. His wheels look good. His board work looks good. He's looking up, and he's feeding the points well when he's supposed to. He doesn't look timid. Uh, he's he's moving the puck around, and he's just basically doing things, even though he's not producing it, and that's good to see because it's going to come because uh, we know how rough it's, right it's been to this point with those three injuries. Um, it's night and day. Uh let me see. McCann, you know, what can you say? 24 goals, 41 points. He Remember, he was injured, too, a little bit in there. He hasn't played a full season. Uh, he, he's he's up there, MVP-ish. Who's a bit cold lately is uh, Bjorkstrand. Yeah, we know he, we've, he has, he has all, it's still a high on points, but that's from so many earlier games. Exactly. I mean, he was our go-to guy for, I'm just going to say, pretty much a halfway point, right? I mean, he got the all-star uh, selection and all. But actually, for a bit there, the whole lion quieted down. He's just been a little cold. He needs to pick it up here uh, if we're going to do anything here. Um, I'm still impressed with Borgen. You know, his he is right now a perfect two-way player. You know, his numbers are two, 18 for 20, and a plus two. You know, just being a plus, I'm, most of our defensemen are plus on this club right now, which is kind of weird. Um I'm yeah, just, and he, he, you know, he's quietly had a lot more assists than I realized. You know, I was looking at the stats, I mean, he's number four in the assists for the for the team, right? And yeah, remember, I, I was like, wow, I didn't even realize it was that high. Exactly, and remember, his first goal came in the Winter Classic, which was a big goal. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just really impressed with his game. You know, it's really matured. And when you look at the other guys, of course, you know, you got your Duns with your point production and everything, but you know, Duns had some really harsh games here lately, and. You know, his attitude can get him in trouble at times, too. Um, and guys like Ole aren't producing as much as they did the year before, I believe, when I was looking at that. Also, uh, Larson's down a little bit, but I'm just really pleased with Borgen all the way around. Nice two-way play. Um, quick look at shooting percentages. This is, might have something to do with a couple uh, line adjustments by Haxel. But anyway, shooting percentage, your top is McCann at 17.3. Tatar 16.2. Now he's got belly down here, but he only played 29 games. He's at 16%. Yams is at 15.2. On the low side, Berkey, this is part of his problem. He can't buy a goal at 
Uh, Gord at 6.2, Ebbs at 9.2, Maddie at 9.3. So that kind of, you can kind of see that what's going on there and why they're at there, where they're at. Now, the thing I wanted to talk about is there's been a lot of fourth line playing here. The first three lines are back to where they've always been. We're finally there because we're, we're not injured anymore for the most part. The fourth line is getting toyed with between the Karche and the Yams up and down, you know, center, either Yams play center or Karche goes on the wing, whatever. You know, a lot of people are getting kind of whiny about why isn't Karche and why isn't Karche. And well, I mean, if you look at the numbers side by side, they're both similar as far as goal production. Um, Karche's played more games. Uh, he, he may be looking at as simple, Hacks may be looking as simple as line matching on a fourth line situation. And maybe he's looking for everything he can. And he's looking at, at you know, the shooting percentage of Yams is pretty good compared to so you're going to get that, that bouncing around. If you're not producing, you're going to fall off that. You're going to be a scratch here and there between those two, and it's going on. Um, that's just what I'm looking at there on as far as the hot, cold section of the club. So Yeah. Um, you know, one other guy you just sort of mentioned on the, on the higher stats too, and, you know, we've touched on a little bit of what a positive contribution to Mas Tatar has been. Um, I just think, you know, he's, he's fit in well chemistry wise, but you know, it's all these things, you know, you know, his, his goal percentage, but I, I'm just also looking at plus minus. He's at a plus 11. I mean, just stuff, good stuff seems to happen when he's on the ice. Well, he always has, you know, he's, um, he's an analytic darling to this club. And that's one of the reasons they got him. He's a good two way player. So that says that remember he was getting all when he first came over, yeah, he was a fourth liner in Colorado for the most right. part. Comes over, pops on the first line. He's getting minutes. Him and McCann are producing whatever. He's getting points. Um, he, and then they just recently brought him down to the fourth line after getting everybody back in the mix, which is fine, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean that's one of the reasons he's plus eleven. He's he's an all rounder. He's he's you know he's a hard worker. I I was watching him in warmups the uh, Detroit game, really keying in on him. You know, he's one of the bucketless guys. Him and um, Dumoulin always going bucketless compared to the rest of the guys. And uh, I don't know. He's just a real heady, smart player. Everything he does is a good move. But, you know, there's no guarantees he's going to be here next year, which is something people need to think about, you know. Oh, of course. But, uh, you know, and the, you know, but we traded for him for, for this year. And here, good good segue to our other uh, topic here, trade deadline. It's March oh, 8th, not too far away. We're hearing some chatter, right? A lot yep. of chatter. Yeah, it's funny. I think this is the third show in a row we've talked about it because, let's face it, we have to. Um, and we know the players we've all talked about. There's a potential right up front of four players, and of those, two are definitely probable. And then the other two are, we don't know, and that's, you know, Ebbs and Winnie. Ebbs has shown and said, you know, he wants to stay here. He loves it here. His family, all the whole nine. And he's, nothing's been, there's been no talks or anything. Uh, and the Seattle crack in history doesn't really show that things happen early anyway. So it could be, you know, in that last week, if anything does or doesn't happen. Um, I'd be surprised if he was, he was gone. I just feel like he's going to stay. Uh, I, I don't know. Is at his contract up at the end of the year? Or? Yeah, yeah. He's he's one of them. He's a UFA. Uh, and Winnie, we all know Winnie's probably 
the most likely to go. He's so the rumors on when he are New York Rangers, Boston of all things, Chris, um, I know, and potentially Colorado. So all those teams are top tier teams, right? They're looking for a third line center. And I look at those lines up and down and I can see him slotting in on any one of those three line centers easily. And he's 29 years old. He can still get value on both ends of the stick to us and to them. So I think it's, he's gone for sure. I've always thought he was gone. Oh yeah. We've um, talked about it for a while. And, and, and just to get, jump back to your point about it, it'd probably be late. I mean, they do do things late, but I'm thinking also, could they be waiting to see? I mean, you know, these bubble teams, you know, and, and there's, you know, conjecture on all these sides, like what teams are going to be sellers and who is going to be a buyer and the Kraken. Yeah. They don't look like they're going to be a Stanley cup finals team, but they're still mathematically and, you know, very much in the mix of for a potential uh, playoff spot. Although I suppose if they traded Winberg and get something good for him, that's not necessarily going to hurt their chances in the West. But I mean, the, the, aren't they, maybe are they waiting just to see how well they do these next handful of games? I believe so. Yes. Um, but I don't personally, I don't think it's player for player stuff. I think it's pick pick only um, because I think you can get a three easily for him. Beyond that, I don't know. I doubt it. Uh, maybe if there is players involved, I, it wouldn't be a prospect pool exchange. I don't know, but you're not going to. And here's why. He's the 2C. That spot is reserved for Shane. You're not going to fill that and then push Shane off again. See what I'm saying? At least right. that's my my thoughts. Yeah, I, I so, agree. Yeah. So I don't think it's going to be player for player. I think it's going to be a round, you know, round pick here and there. We freed up a salary. We're gone when we got something for him, right? Uh, same with Schultz. I think the same thing's going to happen for him. You know, it's not going to be high at all, though. Uh, Drigger, that's he's walking no matter what. Um, the Ebbs. Ebbs is the real mystery. He would have to take a discount. He's what? What is he, 33? Mm, about that 33 40. so no matter what he's on the downside he's going to be short-term contracts from here out the rest of his career on a ufa you know two yeah, types 33 you're right okay so he's on the down cycle he's, he's going to take a discount it's going to be short terms here wherever he goes so you know but there's teams that would entertain him i know boston i've heard boston scuttlebutt about him i mean he would work fine in a system like that uh, I've also heard his old teams are interested in him. New York Islanders, Edmonton Oilers. I heard Toronto's interested in him. So he, I have a feeling if he goes, which he could very well go, he's going to get a lot more money there than he would here. So who knows? I, when he for sure, uh, the more shocking went to me was what are you going to, what's going to happen with Ebbs as far as are, are you getting any, what are you getting for it? Um, let me see here. As far as RFAs, uh, there's only a few guys. You know, I've got some names down here, but there's only one that I think. I don't know how much longer he's looking to be in our system. Going to be in our system. That's Coland. He's like most mystery player to me ever for considering his production down there. I don't know if they'll just if he'll go. You know, um, so that's about it. Uh, there's four potentials there for sure, and. I, like I said, I don't expect a player back. I just expect pick. 
Yeah, around, yeah, for sure. And if yep. like you said, Shane and Shane, you know, when he's gone, you know, Shane comes back up from Coachella. Yeah. And then you got a whole nother year next year. They start fresh, goes like we said in the last posse, goes to the gym, gets bigger, more training, ready to go. Yeah. And even though the the games we when we went down to Coachella, we didn't, you know, Shane was a little quiet in those games, but statistically he's been having a very solid year. So I mean he's getting more and more comfortable in the pro game. Absolutely. He's 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 learning the cracking system down there at Coachella under Dan Bilesma. It's the same system. Uh, he's a two-way player to begin with. He's exactly what Wenberg is. Exactly. Might has a little more upside on the offensive production, but the D side of the game, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, be interesting to see. Yeah. Um, Kraken, of course, have a few games coming up. Uh, you know, as we said, we're recording this just before the Vancouver game. Uh, Minnesota, a lot of all these uh, home games, Minnesota on the 24th, Boston Bruins for the game, the game two of their uh, two game annual bout. They have this one in Seattle uh, at seven o'clock on the 26th. And then uh, Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins come to town on the 29th. So those are going to be uh, interesting games to see and and uh, see how they do it on them. But Vancouver, super tough. Bruins, uh, you know, Bracken kind of caught them on a little downslide, but uh, Bruins won the other night and they may be riding their ship. So, you know, they'll they'll be ready a bit. So it's going to be it's going to be an uh, interesting kind of uh, run right there. Um, well, well, thanks for all that, Jim. Uh, oh, we're going to also talk about some prospects. I, yeah, I got a little prospect. Yeah, let's talk, what, what's going on with those guys? Yeah. Okay, so, you know, I don't know how many people have been paying attention. I know a fair amount of us have if, if you listen to X or, or watch X or whatever. But um, boys and junior, WHL, OHL, QMJ, whatever, uh, in the CHL, um, we have four or five draftees that have contracts with us. Anyway, guys like uh, Jagger Furcus, outstanding year. He just... He had a point streak that went from November 25 to February 17th. It was a Moose Jaw record at Moose Jaw Warriors. The guy's been on he's the whole he's the whole league's leading scorer, right? He's a, yeah, I believe or he's so. among them. Among yes. 49 games, 41 goals, 53 assists, 94 points. Right. I mean, he's just doing it. And that point streak was insane. Uh David Goyette. Uh, with the Sudbury Wolves uh, in the OHL, 54 games, 33 goals, 57 assists, 90 points. He's still doing it. All these numbers almost mirror last year's or better. Um, Carson Rakoff, who we talked about last week with John Barr, who John Barr's putting his uh, feelers on it. He likes what he see here. He was He's basically predicting a draft plus one making – an NHL roster next year. So I'm going to hold you to that, John, but you want to know something? I think I kind of agree with you on that. Cause that's a, that's that, a reasonable prediction. It is totally reasonable. And that guy's shot is unbelievable. And you know, he kind of reminds me of, he's a winger and the way he plays on the outside kind of reminds me of Burakovsky, uh, Burakovsky when Burakovsky is healthy, you know, good skater for the bigger size works at the half board really well, turns around, feeds the point, gets in, gets a shot on the outside, really good stuff. Uh, very similar, and he's looking at 48 games, 45 goals, 33 assists, 78 uh, points. But more, he's a plus 24 in junior, which is crazy. Wow! wow. Um, and you know he got he got uh, he's been with uh, OHL with Kitchener all year, and our number one draft pick Edward uh, Saleh, yeah. he got traded from Barry over to 
uh, Kitchener, which is cool because you're thinking, okay, well, two of our guys are going to play together. I don't know how much, if they're working together at all. I don't think they are. Edwards' number production isn't nowhere as, as good as those numbers. He's And Edwards playing center. So I, I don't think they're playing on the same line. It's hard to find that information. But at least they're on the same club and they can get schooled and groomed the same way. Um, like, for instance, Saul's point, points with the Rangers right now is 14 games, four goals, four assists, eight points. When he was with Barry, it was 25 games, seven goals, 13 assists, 20. So he's just kind of there, but he is young. So uh, Ty Nelson missed three weeks uh, from that fight cuff that he got in where he fell awkwardly and hit his head. Obviously, it was most likely a concussion. He's finally back. His numbers are basically a point a game, which is still, still nice. He's um, 44 points. Uh, three games. He's th- the, he's, since he's been back, he's played three games, three assists. He's doing just fine. So all those guys are producing. Two of them were on the Canadian World Junior Clubs as alternates, and they both played. So things are looking good. Nobody's back falling. Um, nice progression. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, no, it's uh, great, great to see a lot of these guys in the little reports. I've been kind of checking on some of them. I mean, you've, you've, uh, some of the things you brought up, uh, I was reading the athletic, uh, Scott, Scott Wheeler, who's a Toronto, uh, based writer, uh, for the athletic was kind of saying, generally speaking, a lot of things uh, that you're saying, I mean, highlighting some of those guys and, uh, um, you know, one, one thing I, I think was a Goyette, you know, I, because I, I've been kind of focusing a little more on Coachella guys. I, I you've been right. in a little more on the juniors, a little closer than I have been. And but I remember I just was starting to feel because I just love love getting psyched up about the future, you know. And I, it's like, no, yeah. Is, what what uh, Wheeler was writing? He's a Goyette's an impressive athlete. He's a beautiful, effortless skater with a flowing stride who catches and handles pucks with ease at speed. He tries and executes difficult plays offensively with his hands by finessing pucks under sticks through feet and into space for himself boy i'd love to see that on the kraken man (laughs) bring him on up soon yeah i know you know that's kind of strange because when i think of goyette i think of him as one of those players that kind of had the same junior uh progression as um robertson you know i we it was kind of the same type of player in a way and then it's strange that like robertson you know he finishes out his junior career goes to coachella but he's been up and down between the ECHL, which is really strange to me. And that's just because of backlogging. But I feel like his talent is much greater that, you know, everybody knows he should be at Coachella. He just happens to be down in the EC. But that's just kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Both, as I've said before, it bodes well for the future. Coachella is having a great season, too. So they're really yeah. stacked. And so it gets that, you know, these these guys don't. Don't get too married, folks, to your uh, to yeah, all please. the guys on the Kraken roster. There's always going to be turnover in any team, yeah. And especially if you get all these prospects, yeah. I can, you know, you, you know, they're pretty deep with great prospects. So we're going to be seeing some new new guys, people in Coachella and Kansas City and the and the junior towns. You know, are going to be they're going to be missing some players. So. But uh, it'll be for uh, the advantage for the uh, Seattle Kraken. So it'll be interesting to see in the next season or two or three for sure. All right. Well, thanks for all that, Jim. Uh, remember, folks, if you have any uh, 
things you want to ask us or points you want to bring up, you can uh, reach us at info at seattlecrackandfancast.com or you can make message us over on Instagram or X slash Twitter. Um, we uh, love hearing from you all. Um, and uh, we've got some T-shirts still. We've got some Joey, Joey, Joey shirts and Kraken Fancast shirts and and even maybe a small amount. We're almost out of those Dunn and Larson uh maritime law group ones but uh if you if you're an extra large uh shirt wearer uh and you're interested in that one look, look us up you can go to our and purchase these at seattlecrackandfancast.com click on the shop link and you'll be brought to our t-shirt page and um also thanks much uh as always everybody for tuning in uh we'll be back in about a week a little over a week or so uh reviewing some games and uh talking more news Always find us also, besides all the platforms I mentioned, we're also on Facebook. You can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or at our own website, seattlecrackandfancast.com. Thanks also to all our Patreon financial support uh, supporters. Uh, You can find more information about Patreon at patreon.com slash crackandfancast. If you'd like uh, to help us financially keep doing what we're doing, we're very, very grateful to all our supporters and uh, it helps us keep doing what we're doing so there you go that's all the official stuff to tell you we're looking forward to uh, being with you in a few days uh, for Jim Cockrell and our wonderful producer Jay Middleton I'm Chris Porter we thank you very much for tuning in and as always we say go, go crack, crack. crack.